With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and... Go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now it's time to get to work. Ian, we're going to start today's podcast with some positive. It's been it's been uh, lacking a little bit recently, but the um, Hall of Fame semifinalists were announced today, and right at the top of the list is friend of the show, Steve Atwater, the smiling assassin. And I think you and I are both in agreement. I don't know anybody who's listening to the podcast that doesn't agree with this. It's time for Steve Atwater to be in the Hall of Fame, and this is a, a step towards that. It's a step in the right direction. I don't need to tell you his accolades. I don't need to tell you about Steve Atwater. Uh, I know him as uh, a really nice guy. He's been on the show a few times, and I've really enjoyed our conversations. And we also know him as a guy who will lay you out on the football field and is absolutely a Hall of Famer. We've heard so many people say it uh, in the past that he should be in, and I can't believe he's not in. Well, now it's time for him to get in. I think this is his opportunity. I totally agree with that. And uh, mile high salute to the smiling assassin for getting one step closer. He's one of 25 people. As you said, that was announced as a modern era semifinalist. I know there's some confusion when talking about the hall of fame. Cause when I tweeted my mile high salute, and now it's time to get the smiling assassin, the cat tweet. One of the first responses was Randy Gratishar gets overlooked there's a difference. Randy Gratishar is a seniors committee. So if he goes into the Hall of Fame or gets picked as a, a seniors finalist, it'll be from the seniors committee. This is modern era. So Steve Atwater is still within that threshold. You have 25 years to become a modern era before you get bumped to seniors. And that's unfortunately what happened to Carl Mecklenburg. Carl Mecklenburg is now in the seniors threshold. But it, it is time for Steve Atwater to get into the Hall of Fame. He is, without question, one of the greatest safeties to ever play the position. Just ask Ed Reed, who got inducted last year as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I th- it, speaking of that, I think that's one of the reasons Steve Atwater has such a great chance to get in this year is there's really only one guy who is considered a lock as a first ballot Hall of Fame selection, 
and that's Troy Polamalu, who is also a safety. So that's when you look at what's happened the last couple of years, there's been like two or three from each class to take up those spots, which then limits you to two to two modern era picks. So that really helps Steve Atwater as well as the momentum is to the point now where even though he is the member of the Denver Broncos and Broncos country knows to never put the cart before the horse when it comes to the Hall of Fame, it really seems like the momentum is there for Steve Atwater to get in in 2020. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. And, you know, we can we can only hope and and, and maybe just maybe we'll be able to have on uh, a Hall of Fame Steve Atwater uh, to the show and he can he can talk to us about his experience. And, and that would be something that uh, we, we would love to do. And, and like I said, he's one of the nicest guys uh, I have uh, I, I, every time we, we have him on the show, I'm always blown away at how gracious and kind and considerate he is. And and then to take what I see from him on, you know, old clips from on the football field and then to have that be his personality off the field. It's 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 always a little bit like it. You know what I'm saying? So you're sort of like, wow, this guy's really nice. I'm surprised he was able to just demolish people like that. But uh, he is he's a uh, he's more than deserving. And, and I think you're right. I think it's uh, I think it's his time. The one thing I will mention, the the tweet that went out from the Hall of Fame, whoever sent it out, uh it has the list of the modern era semifinalists and on the top of the left side of the list is Steve Atwater and on the top of the right side of the list is Troy Polamalu to me that's just feels like that's just a perfect start uh because people will see those two names together and it just it really does make sense to have those two guys go in together not because they played together but because of the type of players that they were and the impact that they had on the field to echo what you're saying about Steve Atwater as a person He's a Hall of Fame person. I've had the benefit to, to talk with Steve Atwater. We consider ourselves buddies, which is unbelievable to me from a kid who grew up watching him. I, I don't get that over. I, I don't get starstruck very often. I don't. I But even just getting the fact to talk to Steve Atwater and, and be a friend with Steve Atwater and to have him on our podcast is just it's unbelievable. And I'm incredibly grateful that we've been able to develop a a relationship like we have with him to where he'll come on our show. But he is, I I can't overstate it enough that he really is a hall of fame person. All any, every, anyone and everyone will tell you how great of a guy he is. And it's not hyperbole. They, he really is that great of a guy. And you asked before we started recording the fact that Troy Polamalu is up for the Hall of Fame this year, does that hurt Steve Atwater's chances? And I told you, I think it actually helps him because when you think of the, the last two Broncos to get inducted into the Hall of Fame, Terrell Davis and Champ Bailey, that was two years that two, that that position elected two players from that position into the Hall of Fame. Terrell Davis went in with LaDainian Tomlinson. Champ Bailey went in with Ty Lawson. I think Steve Atwater goes in with Troy Polamalu. Yeah, I think that would be great. I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, and that is uh, maybe that's something for us to be thankful for, because as Broncos fans, we we need some things to be thankful for as we head into this Thanksgiving season, and it allows us to to maybe pivot a little bit here from that. And again, congratulations to Steve. Uh, the march continues, obviously. But uh, we were talking about some things earlier today. I was sending you some messages and whatnot, and one of the things that came up was this idea of well, what are we thankful for. What uh, if if you're a, a Bronco fan right now? If you're a member of Broncos country, what is it that you can sit down on on Thanksgiving and say, "This is what I am thankful for"? And I, I'm just—I'll yeah, give you—I'll give you mine. Right. I was just saying. I was just curious. What I wanted to sort of let you start. What is what is the thing that, as a, as a fan of the Denver Broncos right now, today in 2019, heading into Thanksgiving, that you are thankful for? That the season is almost over. Mm. Yeah, that's a and, and a I have a close second. Sure. I have a close second. It seems like Garrett Bowles may finally get benched. It may not be against the Chargers. We can hope, sure, but don't hold out hope because holding is bad. <laughs> it may, it will happen eventually, though. It seems like that's that's finally going to happen. Cecil Lammy had a story right before we came on on Tuesday afternoon, saying that 
it seems the Broncos may finally bench Garrett Bowles. So that would be something that I'm incredibly thankful for. The third one is hopefully they play Drew Locke. Maybe. I'll be thankful if they play him. So there's that caveat. So it's a, it's potentially, you'll be potentially thankful. I'll give you a few uh, that I was thinking about that I am thankful for. Uh, I, I'm thankful for Dalton Reisner. I think that was a phenomenal pick by John Elway in, in last year's draft. I'm thankful for Cortland Sutton, uh, who continues to prove how good he is. I actually was down on him after the Bills game and then had some people mention that uh, he was being covered by, and I can't think of the guy's name because it doesn't matter to me, but a stud cornerback. So that maybe was uh, a factor. And then his quarterback wasn't very good throwing him the ball and the weather and yada, yada, yada. But I'm thankful for Cortland Sutton being uh, the wide receiver one for the Denver Broncos. I'm thankful for Philip Lindsay. I'm thankful for the idea that the Denver Broncos seem to be, even after a, a terrible game against the Bills, maybe I'm just uh, beginning to accept, accept some things, they, they do seem to be pointed in the right direction. So uh, I'm going to be thankful for that a little bit. just Because you, you got to find something, right? You, got, you have to dig deep to find the positive, and I feel like I'm digging as deep as I can. Uh, and I'm trying not to be too snarky about it because what happens with these particular conversations is where does it usually go? It usually ends up being a fight. A fight. That's right. Let me add three more. I'm gonna I, add I'll three give them more. To you. Yeah. So I'm I'm thankful for Justin Simmons. Yes, I missed him, and I agree and I'll, with you. And I'll be even more thankful if John Elway gives him a contract extension that's well deserved. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for Alexander Johnson because the Broncos have finally solved the middle linebacker problem, and I think he's only going to get better. I know there are some people who who say that he has coverage issues. I think he'll be able to work on that the more that he plays and gets used to Vic Fangio's system and Vic Fangio. I think the more Vic Fangio works with Alexander Johnson, you give them a full offseason, I think that could be huge for a player like Johnson. And then if there's a to, – to go off on a little tangent here, it snowed like eight inches – eight to 10 inches, maybe more up to a foot. I'm guessing in some areas of the Denver Metro area, the Broncos social media team sent out a video of the guys reacting to snow. And Alexander Johnson said that it's always been his goal to play in snow because if he gets on the field and it's snowing, he wants to be like a saber tooth. <laughs> and then, he, and then he said, you know what a saber tooth does? And then he gives his saber tooth yell which oh. is just really random, but a dino and a saber tooth. I like, so it. I'm, I'm thankful the Broncos finally have their, their answer at middle linebacker that they haven't had since Al Wilson. And I'm thankful for Vic Fangio because I think on top of the young players they have in place that we all just reeled off, they finally have the head coach to do it too, that we both think, is the guy to do it unlike the last two years exactly i agree but it it is funny because i I can already see the i can already see the arguments starting to pop up uh in regards to you know what do you have to be thankful for and you know thanksgiving dinner at everybody's home has has all the the tension and and uh sometimes a little vitriol thrown in and in regards to Broncos country, I can just imagine the fight sort of starting with a, a simple like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm happy, happy about this. But then, you know, somebody will, always going to say I'm thankful for John Elway, right? Because I'm thankful for John Elway and the things that he's done for the Denver Broncos. And then what does that turn into? We'll look at his drafts. OK, and then it's the back and forth. And so some of those things are, are definitely going to happen. And, and those arguments happen every day on Twitter, uh, a mile high report uh, in the comments section. And so you can sort of imagine those arguments. The he's bad at drafting. He's had two good drafts. Uh, he, you know, he's nothing without Peyton Manning. He signed Peyton Manning. You know, you kind of get those arguments going. I, I just, I, I think that it's one of those things where now we get to kind of experience that back and forth. It's funny. I just, it's, it's sort of funny to me. It's hilarious. And if you haven't read Adam's story yet, do so. It'll be up on Thursday. It. it It'll it'll give you a good chuckle before you sit down and watch football and gorge on whatever it is that you decide to eat, whether it's turkey or ham or 
whatever else. Did you, I got to ask, caveat, side, sidebar, did you see uh, uh, Trevor Sikuma, friend of the show, his tweet about ham? You know, the, those tweets are going out about uh, your most controversial opinion about X, Y, or Z, whatever it is, and one was food. And his tweet was, uh, ham is something along the lines of ham is gross, and if someone serves you ham as a main dish, that means that they don't love you. I just I almost fell out of my chair laughing at that one so hard because we have ham in my family all the time. It's not my favorite. I, I don't think to myself, God, I love ham. I need to have ham. But we have it all the time. And it just made me laugh because I'm like, maybe maybe my wife's side of the family doesn't really love me because this is they always turn to the spiral ham. Let's just throw a spiral ham in the oven. That's like that's their go to. They just they don't love me. I think it's always interesting the Thanksgiving food debates that pop up because the thing that I can't stand is anything cranberry on turkey. Yeah, no I cranberry. I can't stand it. I cannot. And yams. I don't. Yams are disgusting. Eh, I can do yams. Yams are okay. Candied yams, it's fine. Whatever. You know what? I love though is when you take the can of cranberry sauce and it's and like. Dump it in the to- and either dump it in the toilet or into got, the garbage can. You got to plop it out there onto a plate first though. Oh, I see what you pre- did. See how I played that one. And it the makes problem that, is, is that cranberry sauce never performs on anything. No, but it makes that sound, that sort of sound as it slides out of the can, and then it just sits there in the mold, like it's not, it's not real. It just is like a piece of Jello. It's just awful. It is cranberry is awful. How, what is your stance on green bean casserole? I feel like that's a dividing factor there. Some I people love it. love it. Okay. You know what I love about it? When you do the onions, the crispy onions on top, mm-hmm. that's what makes it good. Some a little people bit don't of bacon think, on top. Ooh, there's a, that's a good idea. I don't think I've ever had it with bacon on top. We always do the crispy French's onions, but some people don't put enough. And so you just get all this green bean slop, and you don't have enough of the crunch from those onions. The, the, you got to have the texture. That's the key. What's your view on stuffing? Do you, do you prefer it stuffed in the bird and cooked in the turkey or so that's separate? A, that's a dry and a wet conversation, right? And I really do prefer the Ooh, that's wet. That's what she said. I know. <laughs> I do prefer, I prefer it cooked in the bird, but but nobody does that anymore because of My the, father-in-law does. does. Well, then he's. And he not, he not only cooks it in the bird, he uses all the innards of the bird and puts it in his stuffing. Ooh, he's old school. That's, um, you're going to get salmonella. Uh <laughs> That is the concern, right? With the with the wet stuffing, you don't want to get salmonella. And so you have to cook it to the right temperature. And can you bring that to the right temperature and get the bird cooked so that it's not dry? We're not even doing turkey this year. We're going uh we're going off to Iowa and we're gonna do like a so spiral ham. There will there will be a spiral cut ham, I guarantee it. But we're also gonna do uh everything is gonna be pre-made. So the idea is that we're gonna do like sort of like a crappy Thanksgiving dinner. A potluck? Kind of. like so We're going to buy like the scalloped potatoes from Costco uh, or mash, maybe the mashed potatoes. I don't know which one. Maybe they'll be like a rotisserie chicken. Uh, uh, I, I don't know. You know, everything's supposed to be pre-made, pre-made salads, all that stuff. But then the next day we're going to do uh, osobuco and some risotto alla milanese and, and like a nice, big, nice meal, some short ribs, that kind of thing. I don't know why we decided to do that. I wasn't I, – I still don't know how we ended up there. I think I just got fatter listening to yeah, what you're going to do the day after. Day after is going to be our big meal, and I have no idea why we don't just do it on Thanksgiving. Whatever. It's fine. Do, do Should we talk about football at this point? Like, Does anybody even want to hear about football? I, I guess we should just because there's a game on Thursday. Is there? Only if Drew Locke plays. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to go. So, all right, let's do that. Let's dive into the game. We'll go ahead and talk about it. Uh, and and I think the big question on everybody's mind, and it'll be answered on Sunday, is whether or not the Broncos will play Drew Locke. And I think the, the problem here is that nobody's getting an indication from Vic Fangio as to whether or not he's going to play. And it's starting to make people angry, right? This is going to be one of those arguments at Thanksgiving. And at our, yeah, it, we're leading up to that, and it's going to get to the point where if they don't announce him as the starter, it's just going to make people even more boiling point angry that why haven't you announced it yet? It's not like you're playing for anything. Are you really going to throw the Chargers for a loop if you 
not name your starter. They're like, ooh, we're going to go against Brandon Allen or Drew Locke. Yeah, but you still have Garrett Bowles and Elijah Wilkinson to block Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. We're terrified. What are we going to do? We're not going to have any idea how to prepare for this. I think I think what you're saying is it's ridiculous to think that you might be smoke screening the Chargers by saying, we don't know who we're going to start right now. There's no real smoke screen here. No, and I, I think there have been a couple people who have said it on social media, and I tend to agree. Announce him as your starter and just say, yeah, we're going to run with him. We're going to give him every opportunity to succeed and go for it. Give him that confidence. Stop saying, yeah, he's not really ready. He hasn't practiced enough. That's one of the things that Vic Fangio said on Monday, even though they haven't allowed him to practice. And now they're saying he hasn't practiced enough, which goes back to that whole thing two years ago with Vance and Joseph, where there's that whole practice rant. But you can't say that he hasn't practiced enough when you willfully didn't allow him to practice enough. Yeah, it's crazy. There's this whole thing about being prepared to play. And I think it was, was it Jawan James as well? They're, they were talking about Jawan James. I think it was Nikki. Uh, Jabavala. thank you. Uh, she had a tweet about uh, Jawan James being available, but is he ready? And they were trying to get him ready. What is this deal about not being ready? You're a professional athlete. It's the NFL. You're ready. Like I'm sorry. Drew Locke is ready. Drew Locke has been playing football his whole life give him the football. He's ready. I don't care if he's practiced one day or, or 40 days or, or four years. He's, he's ready. It's just stupidity at this point to say, we're not sure if he's ready. He's ready. He says he's ready. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. One could make the argument that the Broncos haven't been ready for three years. (laughs) Well, they've been ready. They've been ready to suck. So I guess there's that. It, it so just o- obviously that's my key to the game: play and start Drew Lock. You're three and eight. There's nothing to play for. You can play for pride, I guess. That's not going to get you a good draft pick. No, it won't. Yeah, start yeah. and play Drew Lock. I agree. Cecil Lammy and Andrew Mason have said on our podcast, as we have been saying for weeks. Start to give yourself an idea of what you have at quarterback. You have five weeks. That's better than no weeks. That's better than two weeks. Is it what you use to to base your final decision on what you have at quarterback? No, but it gives you a way better idea than no weeks or two weeks. Yeah, I concur. I wholeheartedly concur. Uh, And then as far as my key to the game, because I'm going to sort of play off of that, you mentioned that they don't have anything to play for. And because they don't have anything to play for, the other key to the game for me is to just sit Von Miller for the rest of the season. Just just wrap him in bubble wrap. This is this is like watching preseason games at this point. And I, you know, some people will argue that he's he's a professional athlete. Like I just said, you're a professional athlete. Get yourself out there. He's making millions of dollars. Go play football. But I, I think it's safe to say. And I'm not speaking from a point of of true knowledge here, but just based on like we talked about in the in the last podcast, the eye test and the reports of him getting an MRI on his knee and, and him experiencing some stiffness and some soreness. What are you really accomplishing by sending him out there for the rest of this season? Is there is there anything that he's going to do that's going to turn this season around? Probably not. And so just like you said with Drew Locke, get him out there. You need you want to see what he's got. You want to see what he can do. With Von Miller, you know what he's got. You know what he can do. And you want to be able to preserve him moving forward in the future. And I, I, you've heard the argument that uh, he maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he's disinterested. Maybe they should have traded him for draft picks, all of those things. And then my mind sort of goes to DeMarcus Ware. And I remember what DeMarcus Ware was for Von Miller with the Denver Broncos and how he was able to mentor Von Miller and and still be incredibly productive uh, as as a pass rusher when the Broncos were winning the Super Bowl. So why can't Von Miller be that? Why can't Von Miller do that? And maybe Von Miller's role with the Broncos is starting to shift. And he is that veteran presence. He is the leader on the defense. But if you ruin him in the next five games because he's got something wrong with his knee and you keep sending him out there, 
all you're really doing is hurting his career down the line. So give him give him a break. Maybe maybe it's take plays off. I don't know. Maybe that's the idea. But I, I would be fine with them sitting Von Miller. I, I know that that's sort of a strange key to the game, but I'm just looking long-term at what he can do, and, and I, I don't want to lose Von Miller to an injury that's unnecessary. And I think that that ties into basically what needs to happen over the next five games. Know what you have for the future. And Jeff Essery echoed my key to the game, and I'll read his. The key to this game is to see what you have in your quarterback and young players. Nothing else. I don't care if the Broncos are mathematically eliminated yet or not. This team is not making the playoffs. So winning is secondary to developing players, so that's what they need to be focused on. Continue to develop Noah Fant in the play-action game. Get Tim Patrick work. Get Tim Patrick worked in. Intentionally target Deshaun Hamilton since he's been ne- neglected by the QB most of the time. And for Floyd Little's sake, start Drew Locke. For Floyd Little's sake, I love that. That is such a great line. Because he's, you know, he's Floyd Little. He's a franchise. Depend- so th- this all leads into an interesting discussion about the 2020 draft and what the Broncos may do. Because as it sits, they currently pick fifth. Okay. You have Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. If one of the top tackles is gone and there's not a quarterback that you like or you have Drew Locke, whatever, there's been a debate going around that some people in Broncos country want the Broncos to take Chase Young. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we talk about the future. We talk about making this team better. What does this team need? And I'm not a big fan of drafting for need. You, you know that. I, I think you take best player available and, and you, you let the chips fall where they may. But when you're so high up in the draft, picking fifth, is is the difference that much between one guy or the other that it's going to uh, forever change your franchise? I, I don't think so. Uh, like The argument has been presented the Broncos should have taken Josh Allen instead of Bradley Chubb, whereas I think the better argument is should they have taken Quentin Nelson instead of Bradley Chubb? I think that's, you can. That's a very good argument. I think you could have a you could have a pretty good debate on that. So, part of the reason taking Quentin Nelson might have been the better move than taking Bradley Chubb is that having if you if you take Quentin Nelson, that's helping the offense, and the defense was already good. Well, now you've got a pretty good defense, and so you do need to shore up that offensive line. I I, I think that. If they took him, if they took Chase Young, if he was available, would I be devastated? No. Would it be the end of the world? Probably not. But would it be the right move? Eh, maybe. I, you know, it's, it's tough to say. You never know how things are going to shake out. But I would like to see them focus on improving the areas in the draft that they can improve and that they need to improve. And and the big area that they've got to fix is the offensive line and, and quarterback. You won't know about quarterback until the end of the season because you won't know what Drew Locke is, and you still won't know what he is anyway. But you do know that you need offensive linemen. You do know that that needs to be your focus. And so maybe you do have to abandon the best player available idea and draft for need. I think in that scenario, if you have if Chase Young is there, and I think his name is Worfs, is that right, with mm-hmm. Iowa? Yeah, that sounds right, but I'm not. I'm not, a I'm not a draft expert. I'm not Joe Rolls. I'm not Chris Hart. I'm not Scotty. I'm not Jeff. If both of those guys are there, you have to take the left tackle, don't you? Yes. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, unfortunately. Unless you, go, unless you go to a tag of Viola or Justin Herbert. To a tag of Viola is, uh, is injury prone. Not a fan. Um, I, honestly, I, I just don't think this is the draft where you find your quarterback in the first round. I, I don't see it. Uh, Joe, you, you should not. You should not be speaking on this because you <laughs> are not going to be partial. <laughs> I, I am. I am incredibly biased. I have a plan in place. My my in my mind, the the best thing the Denver Broncos can do is is position themselves to be the first pick in the draft in twenty twenty one, and they should be drafting Trevor Lawrence. But I, I I think that there are probably millions of football fans across the country that feel the same way about their own football team, and several GMs who are also thinking in the same way that I am and trying to position their team to do that. And I know who's doing that. Don't you, don't, don't you say it. 
You know he's doing it. I you know he's doing don't. it. Don't. He's he he may force he's his a quarterback to retire <laughs> and be like, we're not even going to have a quarterback in 2020. <laughs> we'll just run. We'll just run the Wildcat we'll all just year. Run James White for a whole year <laughs> or Sonny Michael. You know Bill Belichick is going to find a way to make it work. I just I, I I wish you would stop. What if he listens and he wasn't thinking that and now he is? You see what you've done. You see what you've done, Ian. Now he's got that idea in his head. Even if he doesn't listen, it's in the ether, and I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, maybe John Elway's listening, and he'll think, "Hmm, I yeah, need to do that too." Maybe I don't know. I don't think John Elway would listen to me, but that's just what's interesting is if they're able to. If I think I hope I'm saying his name right. I obviously don't know his first name because I don't watch enough college football. I'm sure. lucky enough to watch the NFL because my wife would kill me. If but if, if he's there, if the, if the if the Iowa left tackle is there, Andrew Mason mentioned a potential trade back into the first round at the end to get an Iowa guard or a, a Wisconsin guard or center that could potentially be there. And that basically solidifies your offensive line going forward. Yeah, that I that I like. Uh, the name of the uh, the tackle that we're talking about is Tristan Werfs. Is his oh, name. so I got his name right. You did. You did a very nice job. I decided I'd grab my phone and look it up while you were talking because I wanted to make sure we were accurate because if, if we're not anything else, we are at least uh, sometimes accurate. <laughs> sometimes. Well, now that means I got to look up the Wisconsin right. guard. I think I did some looking up. Now you can do some looking up. We can we can double team this a little bit. Uh, yeah, you, you know, I'm just – like I'm not a draft guy. I wish I was. I wish I had the time for it. I wish I had the ability to – to, to focus on it like other guys do. I think, uh, you know, obviously we'll try and, and do some draft shows when the time comes. But if you're telling me there is a, a tackle out there that, that the Broncos could target with the fifth pick and then they could trade back into the first round potentially and grab a guard and, and start to shore up that offensive line for several years to come, I'm on board with that. That I am on board with because now you've got – an offensive line that can make your team better. And I think we see that with teams like the Dallas Cowboys who have a very good offensive line. And so they are talent wise, maybe not as good at the skill position, no knock on Zeke, no knock on Dak, but that offensive line is, is pretty darn good. And so that's the kind of, of thing that you can sort of hang your hat on as a team. Hey, we've got our offensive line set up. Now we can do other things. Maybe those other things involve drafting Trevor Lawrence in 2021. I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. It's just, it's just something I'd like to see. Did and you- I can't remember what his name is, so I'm looking at this list of offensive linemen, and you can't go wrong with a Wisconsin offensive lineman. So I'm going to trust Andrew Mason that he knows what he's talking about, and they should absolutely do it. Yes, I agree. I I agree wholeheartedly. All right, let's um. Let's get let's get out of this draft stuff because the next thing I want to talk about is players to watch because we've sort of started this and I think that the idea here at least on offense is if if Drew Locke is playing he's the player to watch right there's really no other place yes. to go than that so other than Drew Locke on the off on the offensive side of the football who is a player to watch in this game coming up Garrett Bowles because it might be one of his final games for the Denver Broncos. I see what you did there. That's a that is a very hopeful, uh, a very hopeful, <laughs> a hopeful player to watch for you. I, I definitely see where you're going with that. Um, I I think if if we're talking about players to watch on offense, and Drew Locke is playing, I would love to see uh, which wide receivers he is uh, prone to throw to, and perhaps which tight end he prefers. So I'll go with Noah Fant. How about Noah Fant as your player to watch, just because. The tight end is a rookie quarterback's best friend. And he could be Drew Locke's best friend for the next foreseeable years, along with Cortland Sutton. Sure, that's a possibility. Or maybe Trevor Lawrence's. That's a whole other conversation. I will, I'll try to avoid that from now on. But, yeah, I like Noah Fant there. That's good. Defensively, player to watch? I'll go with two. And it's two of the players that I mentioned that I'm thankful for, Alexander Johnson and Justin Simmons. I think those two guys – are going to be the tone setters for this defense for at least for the foreseeable future. And I, I think that's the position that you want to be your tone setters is your middle linebacker and, and one of your starting safeties. So um, 
I'll, I'll be interested to to see what both of those guys are able to do. And then in terms of a game-related note, Chris Harris Jr. against Keenan Allen. Yeah, because there was a little bit of trash talking going on after the last game, so that was um, that was actually going to be the direction I went was with Chris Harris Jr. because of the conversation, shall we say, between Keenan Allen and Chris Harris after uh, the last game where the Broncos were able to beat the Chargers, which feels like a lifetime ago. Predictions? Got a prediction for this game? I got one. I wrote it down. 15-9 Chargers. 15-9. Field goals galore. Oh, that's great. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I, we are so far off on this. It's, in, it's incredible. We are usually pretty similar here. Uh, 34 to 12 Chargers. Again, a, a field goal session for the Broncos with uh, 12 points coming all from Brandon McManus. And I think he misses two. So, you know, he's <laughs> my problem with the Chargers is they suck in the red zone. Yeah. They cannot score touchdowns. And the, one thing the Broncos defense does do is they're the number two ranked defense in the red zone. So I think that's why I have I have this as a field goal. No, I, I but maybe maybe I can't speak to your prediction, but maybe there's like three or four pick sixes in there. I'm kind well, of well, special teams touchdowns. That was sort of my thought is that the the Broncos offense is so bad that it uh, it seems to me that the Chargers are going to be in good field position most of this game uh, because the Broncos punter is terrible, their offense is bad, and they're you know they're just going to be struggling uh, to to sort of win that. Uh, I guess field position battle, you could say. And so the Chargers are going to be playing with a short field the whole game, and eventually that defense is going to break. We talked about it. We, we talked about it last season. We talked about it the season before that, and we're talking about it this season. Eventually, when the offense is so bad, the, the defense just starts to, to break down, and that is that is where we are at at this point. And so I think 34-12, to 12, that's that's a pretty good prediction as far as I'm concerned. I like my 15 to nine one. It was it definitely made me laugh. So I, I did enjoy that. All right, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do our whip around the league. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back. And uh, we've we've got a pretty interesting slate of games to look at here. Um, With Should we start with the Thanksgiving games or you want to go AFC West first? Let's start with the AFC, let's start with the Thanksgiving games. Okay. I like that. So the Thanksgiving games are the Bears at the Lions. That's the early game, 11:30 my time, I guess what is that? 10:30. Uh, that is early. 10:30 Mountain Time on uh, Thursday. And then uh, Saints at Falcons is the evening game uh, that that night. So a, co- a couple of interesting games. I, how do I don't know how you would uh like that you said before we started recording that Bears Lions game would have been really interesting, right? At the beginning of the season, I think that's why they put it there because it was a division rival where both teams were going to be competing for the playoffs, but that's that's not the case. I think of the games that Bills Cowboys game could be a lot of fun because the Bills are obviously coming off a big win. They're eight and three. The Cowboys are coming off a tough loss to the Patriots and. It seems like Cowboys Nation's on the verge of imploding. imploding. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think Jerry Jones is leading the fray with that. And that Saints-Falcons game could be very interesting because a couple of weeks ago, the Falcons beat up the Saints. 
Yeah, they, they handed it to him. I didn't mention the Bills Cowboys. That's my fault. Reading is hard for me. But uh, yeah, the, the, the Saints Falcons game is actually, to me, it's the most interesting of the two games because the Saints are often touted as, as one of, if not the best team in the NFC, uh, which is pretty stacked. Uh, and then they took a whooping from the Falcons, who played pretty well after that as well, but then have maybe come back down to earth. It'll be really interesting to see what Drew Brees and that Saints offense does against a Falcons defense that really shut them out. I, I mean, Alvin Kamara didn't do anything in that game. Michael Thomas didn't do anything in that game. And it was it it, it was sort of a, a big shock at the time. And so can the Falcons kind of do the same thing that they did to them before, or will the Saints bounce back on the road uh, and, and kind of take it to them? I, I think you're right about the Bills and Cowboys, though. The, the Cowboys look like a team that's just – collapsing on itself like a flan what's gonna be very interesting is if they were to lose to the bills at home on thanksgiving does jerry jones finally get rid of jason garrett who's been coaching way too long for the cowboys (laughs) and what that then does is makes that job very very intriguing and the name to keep an eye on and i know there's a an, an OU fan listening to this who won't be happy. I think that shoots Lincoln Riley to the top of the list to become the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Ooh, yeah. Would, uh, wouldn't that be crazy? And then maybe they would trade for Kyler Murray. Who knows? Uh, or they'll draft Jalen Hurts. It's all about getting them OU players, I suppose. Uh, I, I, yeah. I don't know. Can, can – can Jerry Jones fire Jason Garrett? I, f- I always feel like Jason Garrett has something on on Jerry Jones, and that's why he still has his his job. He's got some compromat, if you will, if you've heard that phrase before. <laughs> the problem with Jerry Jones is everything's out in the open. Everyone <laughs> knows he's a sleaze bag. Yeah, how, how do you blackmail a guy who just it freely admits he's a terrible person? But yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. So yeah, I mean Thursday's not great, but it's got some interesting. It's got a little intrigue there. The, especially especially for the results and, and what happens in a couple of those games. Right, absolutely. And uh, the other one to keep an eye on, if Mitch Trubisky comes out and does what he's done this season, does Matt Nagy make another move again that he can blame on a hip injury? Sure, he's got a hip pointer, so we, we, ha- we had him sit down for a while. But then he was fine the next week. It's very confusing. That Mitch Trubisky, I, look, I live in the Chicagoland area, and it is, it is hilarious to just – watch these people writhe in pain because of the the trade up and then they drafted Trubisky and it just it's just the Mahomes and Watson were in that draft and don't even look at the other players that were in that draft because that's a that is a stacked draft and they walked away with Mitchell Trubisky uh it's thanks John Fox yeah it's it's a a fun one to watch for sure uh all right Sunday games let's start with the AFC West just because we we should and it is it is a big game uh, for the Raiders and the Chiefs. Uh, I suppose it would have been bigger if the Raiders hadn't totally wet themselves when they played the Jets on uh, last Sunday. I think the the better adjective is shut themselves. Right. I was trying to you know I was keeping it I was keeping it as clean as you can when you're talking about peeing yourself. But yeah, they they did. But we're they, talking about the Raiders. They so. did. They pooed all all down their leg. Just a little brown streak, just running all down their leg. Derek Carr's mascara running everywhere. It was uh, it was a rough day for the for the Raiders against the Jets, and and now they get to play the the Chiefs on the road in December because it will be December first. Is it possible for that game to tie? Uh, no, yeah. It, well, it's po- I mean, it, possible. Anything's possible. But uh, do you really see the Raiders going into Kansas City in December? I know it's December 1st and actually doing anything, especially after what happened against the Jets? I, th- I think that may be the only reason that they may is because I think they were looking ahead to the uh, Chiefs. Ah, yes. So is that that old the, proverbial trap game? Sure, the Jets were a trap game. Perhaps that's a that's a good way to look at it. I they they saw the news conference when Adam Gase was hired, and they're like, "How the hell is this guy going to be able to coach? He can't keep focus on anything." <laughs> he was looking at something. It was weird. That was a weird one. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, no, I think the Chiefs probably walk away with a win on that one. And, and yeah, I, I don't I care. Agree. I don't care how much of a trap game the Jets were. The, the Raiders aren't going to beat the Chiefs in Kansas City 
in December. Not gonna is it happen. is it possible that Lyle Alzado and Howie Long can come back and then they can smack Tyree Kill like he does his kid? Ooh, I think if Lyle Alzado comes back, it'll be it'll it'll be terrifying, but mostly because he's been dead for so long now. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, yeah, and Tyree kills so fast, he just run away. He he hits you and run away. That's which is what I imagine he always does. So uh, there is a there there are some really interesting games though on this on this slate, right? On the dock. Some very good games. Yeah, some great games. Starting right right at the top here, as I'm looking at it, 49ers at Ravens, uh, uh, Sunday noon game. That that's the game I want to watch this week. I mean, that's that's a potential Super Bowl matchup, a Super Bowl rematch. Ugh. I Thank know. you. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah, you were the one who did it. As soon time. as I said it, I was like, ah, remember that Super Bowl and how terrible it was? That sucks. Yeah, that should have been the Super Bowl. The Broncos won, which brings up an interesting point. Which team was better, the 2012 Broncos or the 2014 Broncos? Or is it 13? 13. Uh, 12 or 13? 12 or 13? Wow. I want to say 2012. I think that team was more complete. I think yeah. the defense the defense was top five. Offense was was way more I think it was more balanced. That was that was the team that should have won the Super Bowl. That was it really should have. That was the and and had they won that Thanks Super Raheem Bowl. Moore. Sort of an interesting side note here on that one. I think had they won that Super Bowl, they would have won the next one. I think that there was there was a certain amount of momentum that would have built from that. Uh I don't I I don't think that they, they, I, I think that they wouldn't have won in 2015. I think the makeup of the team would be completely different right now. But well, Gary Kubiak wouldn't have been hired as the head coach. Exactly, and so I, I think that there are several things that would have changed. But I do think instead of one Super Bowl with Peyton Manning, they would have gotten at least two. I, I in fact, I think they would have gotten two, and that would have been it. I think it would, they would have gone back to back, and then Manning probably walks away at that point. Anyway. <laughs> the, the Ravens Falcons will be, or the Ravens 49ers will be a, a great football game because Lamar Jackson, that defensive line from the 49ers. And it was an interesting, I, I think it was uh, Chris Collinsworth who talked about it where he was against the Packers. He was talking about the reason John Lynch put such a focus on the defensive line was because the one he played with in Tampa Bay was so good. He wanted to have that. And I think that's how you beat the Baltimore Ravens is you have a defensive line that is very, very good and can get pressure. The, the, the question is, do you have the guys to contain Lamar Jackson? Right. And, and it, it has been the, the most difficult task in the NFL this year, I think, to contain Lamar Jackson, who is, is having a career year and, and really – sort of announcing himself as as one of the top tier quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not ready to put him in that elite status yet. You got to do it for more than one season. But he is having an elite season and he's, you know, following in the footsteps of the elite Joe Flacco. So why wouldn't he? Uh, but yeah, that's Yeah, you follow he, when you got to be elite when you're following in the original elite shadow. That's right. The I think I think he's out of that shadow by leaps and oh, bounds yeah. out of that shadow. So it's going to be a. I think the other thing to keep an eye on is that Ravens defense. I think that Ravens defense is sneaky good, even though they don't have Terrell Suggs anymore. They don't really have a middle linebacker like Ray Lewis. It still has that Ravens mystique and uh, uh, the defensive coordinator who has ties to the Broncos and, and Wink Martindale is calling himself a great game. So I think the Ravens. And the 49ers is going to be a very, very fun game to watch. Absolutely. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Uh, the, the other game that you mentioned that is interesting, there's, there's a lot of really interesting games here, uh, but you mentioned Titans-Colts uh, as an interesting game just because of the way the AFC South is sort of shaking out. And with the with the Texans playing the Patriots this week on Sunday night, that Titans-Colts game becomes even more important depending on what happens with the, with the, the Texans. Uh, against the Patriots. Because I think the Patriots are obviously going to win that game. I I don't see any way the Texans beat the Patriots. That means that that opens up the AFC South for the winner of that game to to be in a great shot to, to potentially win the division for either the Titans. And who would have thought that Ryan Tannehill would step in and play as he has, especially given what happened to the Titans when they played the Broncos and got shut out and, and Mariota got benched. 
best thing that could have happened to the Titans is what the Broncos did to them. I think there's no doubt about that. And then the other game that's very interesting is the Browns and the Steelers. I mean, we said after the game that the Browns lost to the Broncos that they were finished. Well, they may not be. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have turned some things around. I mean, uh, you know, Miles Garrett tries to bash in the skull of Mason Rudolph, and now you get round two of that perhaps. But also, um, it is it is sort of interesting to see the the trajectory of the Browns. They're they're erratic, but I think part of their uh, their being erratic is the fact that they're a young team that has you know a, a young quarterback and and young players that are are not as consistent yet as you need to be to be successful in the NFL, but, but they're getting there. So yeah, that is a, that is a divisional rivalry matchup that is kind of always fun to watch as we saw in the last game. And one that will, will be an indicator for where the Browns are really at this season. Have they, have they turned things around or is, are they going to go back down? Are they just still on that roller coaster? And then the last game of the, the week is one that is, is potentially an NFC championship matchup. And that is the Vikings and the Seahawks. That that's a very interesting game because I, I, both teams have great defenses, and both teams have offenses that can produce big plays, and that's what Russell Wilson does, and and Kirk Cousins has the ability to do that. I think the one thing that benefits the Vikings is Adam Thielen is coming back from his hamstring injury, so that gives Kirk Cousins another weapon. Not that he needed any more with Stephen Diggs and and Dalvin Cook, so that that will be a fun game to watch, and I think. When we talk about that Thanksgiving game with the Cowboys, depending on what happens with that game, the Eagles have a guaranteed win against the Dolphins. That's right. Yeah, here's your so, win. So they, that could shake up the NFC East, which everyone thought based on the hype like they like they usually get for the Browns and the Chiefs. The Cowboys are another one of those hype teams that everyone raves about. If they lose to the Bills and the Eagles win, you're going to see some panic start to develop because the, the Cowboys' schedule is incredibly tough, and the Eagles is basically the Dolphins, the Redskins, and the Giants. Yeah, uh, I'm 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 out there putting in waiver wire, uh, you know, trying to grab the 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 Eagles' defense on the waiver wire because they've got pretty much a cakewalk for the rest of the season as far as that goes. I'd love to get some some free points with my defense moving forward. So yeah, it it definitely changes the dynamic there for sure. So uh, it, I think the the main thing to to put a bow on this, even oh. though it's not Christmas yet, unlock Drew. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.